Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. I'm so glad to see you today. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint Church. Those of you in the room, thank you so much for being with us here. Those of you who are worshiping with us online, man, we're so glad you're here as well. You guys are part of our family, and we love you so much. And there's some folks out on the lawn today, and some of them in our overflow room. We love you guys as well, and thank you for being here as well. Hey, just one thing before we jump in. Well, two things. Number one, our students are at a retreat this weekend, and they're about to leave and come back. So God bless them. God keep them. God keep them safe. Amen, everybody. Amen. And we're, we're missing them. Um, we realized over the last few months, how much we rely on our students. We think about our students not as the, the future church. We think of the church right now, right here, right now, and they are going all in uh, for God all across the campus, and we're so grateful for them. Next Sunday, as you just heard, is At The Movies. This is our most popular series by far. It's where we take, it's different, we take movie clips uh, from movies that we've uh, selected, and we use those clips to illustrate uh, spiritual truths that God wants us to know about. And next week, we're starting off with, uh, if you've not seen it, an amazing film called Christopher Robin. Uh, And if you haven't seen it, I would recommend you go see it right now. I don't recommend all of the films that we we do, but this one, I'd say, especially if you're a dad, especially if you're a dad, uh, you should go check it out. It's, it's, a, it's a great thing. And we're going to start that this week. Popcorn in the room. Uh, we, we, we intentionally didn't put carpet in here. We we're like, hey, bring your popcorn in, have your coffee. By the way, we got coffee back, y'all. Are you glad about coffee back at, at LifePoint? Yeah. We figured out a way to serve it where everybody doesn't have to be all handsy with it. And so that's, that's good stuff. Uh, we're so glad you're here. Um, today, we're wrapping up a series that we've been in for the last four weeks called All In. And we've been looking at these four invitations that Jesus gives us, these kind of identity markers that he wants us to take on in our lives. We started week one with I'm, I'm uh, invited, and then Pastor Andy talked to us about I'm invaluable, and last week, Jason Bentley, Pastor Jason Bentley talked about I'm influential, and today we're going to wrap up this series with I'm invested. Now, when you think about the word invested, what comes to your mind, right? Stocks and bonds and, and portfolios and, and bank accounts and real estate and retirement accounts. And, and you think about things that you're going to put some value into in, in hopes that you're going to get a return, or an ROI, return on investment down the road. But as we've seen, both in 2008 and even this year as well, those things uh, are kind of unstable. Investment. It's a, it's a strong word, and it's such an important word for us in life as we consider our retirement and think about the future, but it's also important for us as we consider our own faith. Uh, I, I want to show you today that with God's help and with God's provision and God's grace, that you and I can be invested in God's work through the local church, and, and we can make a difference. Together, we can make a difference all over the world. So today, I'm Invested. Would you say it with me today? I'm invested. Now, here's the truth. Not all of us are invested in the purposes of God, but all of us are invested in something. That's right, right? There's something that you're passionate about. There's something that you love. And the truth about us is that we invest 
in the things that we love. Some of you, maybe it's a, a sports team that you're invested in, so you have maybe season tickets, or you have merch, you're wearing a jersey or a hat, or you've got some investment there. Right now, we're entering into the hunting season in South Texas. Um, some of you are bow hunters. Any hunters in the, room, in, the, in the room today? Would you raise up your hand? Three. All right, so there was, there, was, there was more in the early service. Apparently, they're ready to go hunting, because they left, all right? Um, like, like, if you're a hunter here, I promise you, you're invested in that, right? With your time, with your energy, and with your money, because it's expensive to hunt here in South Texas. People fly from all over the country to hunt here. And you're not just invested with money, because I used to do this, and I would always pick the weekend to go hunting and climb up some tree or in some blind where it was the, the, the weekend, the one weekend of the year where it was 25. You guys know what I'm talking about? Be sitting up there freezing because I didn't invest in the right kind of cold weather gear because we only need it like one time a year. And I'd be miserable up there just freezing, waiting to shoot Bambi or or whatever. Uh, But when it was done and the thrill of the moment had gone and I'm going home, I was like, man, I can't wait to get back down here and do this again. Only the hunters in the room know what I'm talking about. It just, you you get invested in it. Your heart follows your investment. Your attention follows your investment. Think about it. You have an investment somewhere. You pay attention to that thing. Um, Your emotions follow your investment. Those of you who've ever bought a new car and traded it in kind of an old, maybe a junker or whatever that somebody gave to you, you get this because when you have the junker, the old car, your kids are allowed to eat McDonald's in the car, bring their Slurpees and Big Gulps in there, their chocolate milks, it's, it's there. You know, there's French fries. If you get hungry, you can just find, dig under the seat, you'll find some. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. If you go into the car of a parent with toddlers, it smells like French fries. Yes or no? And spilt milk. And a side of throw up. You know what I'm saying? You're welcome. Thanks for coming to church today. But man, when you get that new car, things change because you're like, if you even breathe weird in here, I will put you on the side of the road. It's true. It's true. You got them wrapped up in saran wrap. Don't move, you know. Only breathe and breathe normally. Your heart follows your investment. I, I, I remember when I lived in Mississippi, uh, I was a pastor on a, a staff at a church there, and one of my jobs was to go visit people that couldn't come to church. They were, we called them shut-ins, and we, I went and visited this older couple, and I went to check on them, and, and I got inside, and I went in there, and all of their furniture was wrapped in plastic, like all of it. Like, and, and it looked, it was old furniture, but it looked brand new because they had 15 years ago wrapped it in saran wrap and dared anybody to sit in that chair. Some of y'all know somebody like that, right? It's like, I will cut you if you sit in my chair. Sit over here on that old chair, but not this chair, right? Investment. But, but here's the issue with our investments, and, and I'm guilty as well, for sure. We invest in things that don't last. Yes or no, right? We, we invest in things, in things that ultimately will not stand the test of time at all. When our lives are over, none of that stuff matters as much as we thought it was or did because we don't get to take any of it with us. As a matter of fact, we leave stuff behind and everybody squabbles over who's going to get it, right? It's the truth. So, so Jesus, knowing this propensity of ours to, 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 to have this inclination. He comes along 
And he begins to teach about spiritual truths that he knows will last the test of times. And he teaches about this idea of investment over and over and over again. And he'd illustrate it in different ways. And he'd, he'd use different metaphors and paint different scenarios. But the big idea was always, you don't just invest in earthly things that won't last. Instead, and this is the word he would say, you store up treasures in heaven. You store up treasures in heaven. Let me show you one of these verses where he does this. This is in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are part of the Sermon on the Mount, right? And Matthew 6, he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures, look at this now, on earth. Now, look at this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy if you've ever had rats in your attic, come on. I'm not going to say that I have, even though I have recently. They destroy stuff. And even if they don't destroy stuff, the fact that they were there, nobody wants to go in there again. I, okay, just my story, apparently. And, 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 and where thieves break in and steal. If you've ever had somebody break into your home or break into your car, I've had both of these things happen, you want to cut somebody. For Jesus, you know, you'll invite them to church afterwards. Look at this. But instead, store up for yourselves. You're still storing up for, for yourself. He says, don't store up for yourselves things on earth. But you do store up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven. And then he says, for where? Your, well, that's what we already read that. For where your, treasures, your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Don't store up for yourselves. Don't hoard what you have. Don't only invest. You have to invest. He's not, he's not speaking against investing in, th in, 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 in you got to plan for the future. But don't only invest in things that won't last and won't stand the test of time. And here's the big idea for the day. We pour instead of store. Would you say this with me? We pour instead of store. That's the big idea. And what I mean is that God created all of us to be conduits of blessings rather than just a container of blessings. So, as the blessings come down, so James 1.17 says, for every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, meaning he's the Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He says there is no shadow shifting. There is no sh uh, 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 turning, shadows of turning with him. He says every one of those things come from him. So as they come down, I let them pass through me and not just to me. Somebody should tweet that or whatever we're doing now, TikTok it. Um, I, I let them pass through me, not just to me. In this way, and, and by doing this, Jesus would say, I'm storing up treasures for myself in heaven. By pouring here on earth, right, I'm storing up in heaven. And whereas my earthly investments, which I have to do, are unstable, my heavenly blessings cannot be taken away from me. That's the good news. God says, from the time of Abraham, God says, I've called you to pour, not just store. So Genesis chapter 12, one of the earliest stories in the Bible, we find a man named Abram. He would later be called Abraham. We call him the father of the faith because he's the first person who did what we're going to read. He did. And Romans and Hebrews references him because of what he does in this story. So verse 1, the Lord had said to Abram, go. Would you say go? 
Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land. Now notice this. To the land I will show you, meaning I'm not going to tell you where it is yet. Just go, but you don't know where you're going. Now, next verse. I will make you, if, you're, if you've got your Bible out, I will make you, underline that, into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be what? A blessing. Next verse, please. Now notice this. And I'm going to bless those, Abraham. He's Abram at this point. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. That's significant. Next verse, please. And all peoples on earth will be blessed, say this with me, through you. Through you. God says, Abram, I want you to go to a place I'll show you later. But I want you to go now. And let's be clear on what he's inviting Abram to do. Go. But you don't have the information that you need to even know where you're going. You don't know the destination. Also, you aren't sure how you're going to get there. And oh, by the way, you're not sure when you get there how you're going to survive and live there. But go anyway. And what God is inviting Abram into is an act of faith and trust. And from that moment on, the father of faith, our whole sort of way that we do our spiritual journey happens because of what he does. Now, please don't miss this. Let's be clear that all investments in heaven, which is what Abram is going to do, all, in, all investments in heaven are an act of faith and trust, all of them. And God says, if you'll trust me, Abram, and go, I will make you. You won't have to fight to make yourself. I will make you. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And here's the results, Abraham. You will be a blessing. I'm going to pour because I'm the good father and all every perfect gift and every good gift coming from me. I'm going to pour out blessings down on you. And you, because you're a conduit of that blessings, it's going to pass through you to all the people around you. I'll bless you not just for you. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing to others. And so Abram trusted God and God continues to bless people all of these years later by that one act of faith, God blessed, and through Abram, the peoples of the world are blessed. We are blessed, not just for ourselves. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are created by God to pour, not store. And the good news, I think, is that most of the people who are going to listen to this message either today or some other time, they'll hear this and they'll acknowledge that few things in life are, are more rewarding the knowing that you used something that you had, that you gave, that you used your time or your talent or your energy or your treasure, whatever it is, to make a difference for somebody else, there is a, the best way I can say this, there's a soul level satisfaction that comes from knowing that something I did, something that God used me to do, changed somebody's life. There are a few things that are more rewarding than that. And it's interesting to me that I've never heard an end-of-life story um, about somebody who was about to pass this life who was, who was incredibly emotional or grateful about something, some money that they had spent on themselves back in the day, right? It's like, son, before I pass from this life, I want to tell you this amazing story. The son's leaning in, right? There was this time when I couldn't afford this car, but I went out and pulled the trigger anyway. Best decision of my life, son. He's casually flicking a tear off of his cheeks, you know, right? And, 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 and it was just such a soul-level gratitude that I have that I made that decision, son, back in that day. 
I just needed to share that with you before. Passover to glory, you know. I don't know why I said it that way. I never heard that story though. But, but I have heard stories of people saying, listen, only what's done for Christ is gonna last. Son, listen, don't get caught up in all this stuff and don't, don't think that, 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 that satisfaction comes from climbing some ladder, making your name great. Don't think it, but let me tell you what really matters. What you do for Jesus is what matters. And when you look back in your own life, over your life, and you remember being part of maybe a giving com- campaign that, that, that helped build a church like this one, or help build an orphanage in some part of the world that really needs hope and help so bad. And you, you contributed and now there's a building there and people are being served. And you've seen life change brought about by all of that. It's something to remember. It's a story that you want to pass on because we are created to pour, not store. Just for a moment. And this is really only applicable to those of you who are in this room, maybe out on the lawn, you can see this as well. I want you to look around. Just look around. Look around here. Um, you're sitting in a building that you made possible. You did this. Those of you online, you, you did this. God used you to do this. And, 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 and I'm invested. That's the message. I'm invested. And because I'm invested, because you're invested, lives have been changed. It's not about a building, y'all. It's about what the building enables us to do. And, and, and lives have been changed forever. Ever. Those of you who have been uh, living by the principle of the tithe. As you look back over your life, in your life, and I've talked to several after the first gathering this morning who came and said, Pastor Danny, I've been living like that my whole life, and I cannot believe what God's done in my life because I trusted him in this way. You, you look back on your life where you were when you started that, that journey. I'm gonna trust God with a tithe. I'm gonna trust God with the, the 10%. You can get emotional. My wife and I have been doing this since we were very, very young, you get emotional thinking about what God's done, the miracle that God has done in my life and in your life. I, I, I'm invested in, in God's work, and, and, and I know that, that I've made an eternal difference in the lives of church kids. By the way, we're, we're, we're kicking off our whole, all of our age groups next week uh, our, at, at the 1030 gathering. We're going to expand that as, we, as we're able to. But we're invested there and kids' lives are being changed over there. Even right now, there's kids' lives being changed. We got 40 some odd students right now coming back from their retreat. And I promise you these last couple of days, their lives were changed because some of you invested in them. So, so it, it, there's, there's real joy that gets found in that. And, and when you realize that God has created you to pour out blessings, not just contain them. Now, I've noticed that there are, there's probably more than this, but there are two kinds of mindsets when it comes to investing in the purposes of God. There, there are scarcity mindsets and there are j- investment mindsets. There's investment mindset and there's scarcity mindset. And I've seen both of these at work in the lives of people. And really, honestly, I've seen them at work in my, in my own life. And the scarcity mindset says, I don't have enough to pour, to share with anybody else. So we live then with this when-then attitude. In other words, when I get more, then I'll pour. I'll pour more. A a scarcity mindset is often, not always, but often comes from a fear-based mindset that works through a a mental filter that, that goes like this. Yeah, yeah, but what if, right? What, what if I don't have enough? What if we get to the end of the road and there's not enough there? What if, I, if something bad happens? You see what I'm saying? 
Some would say, no, no, that's just caution, Danny. And of course, I understand caution. I understand the need for wisdom. Totally get it. You got a plan. But for a lot of us, at its root, it's just fear-based. It's a lack of trust in the character, the nature of God. And God himself, he responds. Hebrews tells us he responds to faith and trust. So like, what if Abram didn't go? What if God says, hey, go, Abram? And Abraham's like, I don't have enough information, God. I can't do that. Like, like what, if, if, what if Abram started going down? Yeah, but God, what if when we're going, some, some robbers come upon us? What if as we're making our way, one of our sheeps die? Sheeps, sheep, sheep, sheep dies. I was thinking about the Lord's sheeps, not the sheeps. These are the Lord's sheeps, anybody? Did you not tell them that these are the Lord's sheeps? I did like a, a Pakistani accent there. I don't know how that worked out. I'm not much for accents, right? What if he doesn't do this? What if he doesn't go, right? So Jesus, for, for all the what ifs and this sort of scarcity mindset, he tells this story. It's a famous story. We call it the parable of the talents. And I'm gonna summarize it real quick, Matthew 25. It says a man goes on a journey. Before he goes on a journey, he gathers three of his associates with him and says, hey, listen, I need you guys to take care of my resources while I'm gone. And so one, he says he gave five bags of gold, another two bags of gold, we call those talents. And then one, one bag of gold, the guy who had five, he went out at work, uh, to, to work at once, it's, the Bible says, and he doubled his investment. Same guy with two. The third guy with the one talent, he takes it and he digs a hole and he buries it in the ground. He represents the scarcity mindset. And if you understand this parable, you realize a bag of gold, a pair of, the, the talent is a lot of money. So the guy with five had way more to lose than the guy with one, but he also had way more to gain than the guy with one. And that's the mindset, investment mindset. And we find out that the guy who had one has to get confronted by the master, the servant, the, 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 the man who comes home back from the journey. And here's what it says in verse 24. The, the master said, the master said, appear. There we go. The servant given one talent said, master, See how I did that? It was magic. I know you have high standards and hate careless ways. Look at the next part. That you demand the best and make no allowances for error. Now, none of these things did, 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 did the master actually tell him. This is what he's thinking in his mind. He's worked out some scenarios in his mind. Now, go to the next verse, please. I was afraid. I was afraid. I was afraid. I might disappoint you, so I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Next part of this, please. Here it is, safe and sound to the last cent. I was afraid. The parable of talents is about investment mindset, not scarcity mindset. Because here's what he says in verse 26. The master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal that this is from... um, This is from the message translations. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best... Why did you do less than the least? Last verse, take the thousand and give it to the one who risked the most and get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. Harsher, harsh, yeah, harsh words. Some of the most brutal words in all of the gospels and they are said to a man who didn't lose the talent. He didn't sort of frivolously get rid of it. He didn't commit some grievous sin He just broke even. And evidently with God, breaking even is not an option. I invested something in you. I poured something into you. 
I want to see a return for the investment that I made in you. Now, with a scarcity mindset, a problem arises. And the problem is, is that we will never feel like we have enough. Never. No matter how much we have, it will never be enough because we're consumed with fear, because we're, we're, we're doing all the what-if scenarios. We're afraid, so we believe that we need more, and so we store in order to sort of protect ourselves, and then we find that we never have enough to pour because we have a scarcity mindset. But then there's an investment mindset, which is at, the, at its root, and uh, uh, it's a mindset of generosity. We believe that we serve a good God, an abundant God. Um, our God owns everything, Psalm says. Our God is good. Our God loves to bless his children. And we see this borne out all through the text. Our God provides for our needs. And not only does God provide for our needs, he often gives us more than enough. So that... Not just so we can hoard more for ourselves, but so that we can be a blessing to others. And this is not the same thing as a scarcity mindset. This is a faith-filled, God-honoring, God-believing, God-trusting that God is good and that he generously gives us all that we need so that we can be a blessing, not only for ourselves, but for other people. Our God created us to pour, not store. I, I want to give you two quick stories from the Bible as we, as we wrap up that are going to illustrate this too. In, in John 12, there's this amazing story about a woman, and we referenced this on week one of this, this series. Week one, uh, a, a woman who had lived a pretty dark life. The, the Bible says she was a prostitute. But somewhere along the way, she'd encountered the grace of Jesus, and her life had been changed. And so from that point on, she was looking for a way to sort of invest in, 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 in the abundance of what God had given in, in her life. And, and in this story, she walks into this room and she walks into the home of this religious guy where Jesus is reclining, it says, because they would sit on the floor. He was reclining, eating a, a lunch or dinner or whatever it was there with all of these religious guys. And even though she's a prostitute, she feels comfortable coming in because she's seen Jesus interact with other people. And she knows that with Jesus, everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect. And with Jesus, anything's possible. And she's experienced this in her life. So she walks in straight into this house full of Pharisees, religious people, takes her most valuable possession, a, a very expensive jar of perfume. The text says it was worth more than a year's wages. Come on, y'all. That's some expensive perfume. Don't spray it. Leave it in the box. Can I get a witness, somebody? Like if you, it's for you, but if you use it, I'm going to have to cut you. You know what I'm saying? That kind of expensive I don't know why we're cutting people today, but it's just what I'm feeling, feeling. I always carry my knife, so I can't, I can't do it. Just FYI, I was kidding, <laughs> FYI. So because of who Jesus had been to her, because of what she'd seen him do in other lives, because of the grace that he extended to her personally, she does not store up what she has. She recognizes the gift of salvation, the gift of grace that's come to her and so she takes, in her, in her case, her most valuable possession, even though Jesus never asks that. He takes, she takes her more, most valuable possession, and she literally pours it out on the feet of Jesus in honor of him as a kind of sacrificial worship expression. And you can almost think, what, you can almost imagine what she's thinking. He's been so good to me. He's turned my life around. He's given me new hope. 
He's given me new joy. And so whatever it is that I have, and this is all that she had, I'm going to use it as an expression of thanksgiving to him. She didn't store. She poured. But the people around her are not very happy with what she's doing. As a matter of fact, it's not just the religious people. It's also one of Jesus' own disciples, one of the 12, a guy named Judas, who we know from the gospel text is not a guy with an investment mindset. He has a greed mindset. And he betrays Jesus later on. Do you remember why he betrayed Jesus? It was for money, 30 pieces of silver. He betrays his own, his own master, right? This rabbi, he, he betrays him. And he doesn't do it like as an investment. He does it because he thinks he needs more and more and more. And here's what John says that Judas did. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus said. It was intended that she would... Save this perfume for the day of my burial. You, you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And what Jesus is saying, Judas is saying here in this text, he doesn't say it, but what he's saying, what's implied, we don't have enough, lady, to worship Jesus like that. We don't have enough to be generous at that sort of level. And Jesus says that what this woman has done is so beautiful. This is in another gospel text of the same story. He says that wherever the gospel gets preached in the world, the preachers will tell this story. And here we are in 2020 telling her story, which is a pouring story. Not a spending story. It's a pouring story. I'm created to pour, not just store. I'm blessed to be a blessing. One last story, quickly. It's found in Luke 9, and when you read the, the title at the top, it said, Jesus fills the five, feeds the 5,000. Now, this is more than 5,000 because it's only the men that are being counted in this context. Women and children are there, so it's, it's the largest, most likely the largest crowd Jesus ever teaches to. And he teaches so, so, so long that the people, it, that the, the Bible says the day had waxed away, had waned away. And he's like, whatever, however long you think that I am, and I am long-winded. By the way, I always tell our guest speakers and, and, our, and our, our pastors here, hey, if you want to be the hero, just preach shorter than me, and everybody will love you better than me. And they do, and everybody does. That's how it works. It's genius that way. So the disciples come to him, his followers come to him, his dream team come to him and say, hey, they're not trying to say, hey, dude, you preach too long, but that's what they're saying. Hey, the day's gone. These people need to go home. We're out here in this deserted place. We're like in Castroville, Hondo, Canipa. Anybody with me on this? Somebody from Castroville. Somebody from Castroville earlier was like, bro, why you gotta be, why you gotta be jacking with Castroville? <laughs> I like Castroville. I like to go there too, but it's a deserted place, right? It doesn't have dessert. That's what I mean. Sorry, I'm, I just lost 12 followers at our in our church. We were going to come to your church, but now we're not, jerk. I don't even remember where I was at. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, give, you got to give him, he, we, we got to get him some, something to eat. And Jesus says, you give him something to eat. Do what now? You know what I'm saying? Do what now? This is the largest crowd, Jesus, you've ever had here before. It's like if you were standing in the middle of the AT&T Center, it's packed to capacity, you're looking around, and Jesus goes, hey, Danny, you better give all these people some nachos. The Ricos with the good cheese and the chips, come on, y'all know what I'm talking about? Don't be giving them some plasticky tasting chips. Give them the good kind. Plasticky, I don't know. 
you remember what happens? Jesus, they, they find a little lunch from a little boy whose mother packed five loaves and two fish. They bring it to Jesus. Now here's the key. They bring, somebody trusted it to the disciples. They brought it to Jesus. Jesus blessed it and then he multiplied it. And, the, and, and so the disciples go out and they give it out. They pour it out. They pour the blessings out. And at the end of it, do you remember what happened? There were still 12 basketfuls left over. Somebody had enough faith to show up to a place where there was no food saying, hey, at the end of this day, there's gonna be some food left there. Better bring 12 baskets. And, and, and why 12? I don't know the real answer to that. But why 12? Well, there's 12 disciples. And maybe Jesus is going, I wanna imprint the goodness, the faithfulness of God so deeply on, this, on their brains that he's like, hey guys, everybody take home your own doggy basket. Come on, somebody. Notice the progression. Somebody trusted Jesus with his lunch. Jesus blessed it. The disciples poured it. God multiplied it. Jesus blessed it. The disciples handed it out and God multiplied it. And that's how God works. And you know what I love about this church? I love a lot of things about this church. And by the church, I mean the people. It's that for 12 years now, there have always been people who had an investment mindset like this. Several weeks ago, there was a hurricane that blew Lake Charles away, literally blew it away, devastated the area. And I have a friend that has a church there. And I ask for those of you who'd be willing to, no pressure, just if, you, if God leads you, if you wanna put something extra in, um, we'll, we'll give it to them. And in one gathering, you guys gave over $9,000. One, one, one gathering. <clears throat> which we sent that plus some more over to the church and they began to pass that out in their community by feeding people. He told me about a businessman who lost everything and he said, man, he, he, was, he wasn't asking for any money. He was just telling his pastor the story and he said, you know what? Hey, I want to give you a thousand. Some people have been generous with us. I want to give you a thousand just to help you get through this week. This past Friday, I was talking to him yesterday, this past Friday, he said we had a huge feeding. That's what they call it in South Louisiana. And he said, we had hundreds and hundreds of people who were volunteering all over the community. We, we invited them to come to our church and to be fed just so we can love on the people who are here serving. And you guys did that. You did that. And, and then last Sunday, we had one child here. And I told you about how God had given me a vision um, to sponsor children down there to make a difference for food and clothing and medication and education. And of course, most importantly, the gospel of Jesus being poured into those lives. And so... So far, um, over 60 children have been sponsored by you guys. Um, but I want to show you the multiplication side of this because if one of us had said, hey man, I want to make a difference in Honduras, that would have been cool. But when 60 does that, that's $39 per child per month. That's $2,340. And per year, that's $28,080 a year. That's how multiplication works. And so as a church community, we're going to make a massive impact in a very small area of Honduras where we'll go down on mission trips to those areas, meet our kids. We'll get to hang out with our kids. And we're not done yet. We're keeping it open. As you're going out today, if, you, if you're interested and you missed last week, some of, you, some, some of you guys did that. You can do it online at lifepointsa.com. You can go there and, you can, and there are kids there just for our online uh, audience. And we can make a difference. Also, last Sunday, I, never told, I didn't tell you this. 
uh, Jason Bentley, who was here with us with one child, he is starting a brand new church in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. So we gave him thousands, of, several thousand dollars, and we'll give more as well for a church that's going to open in January. This church will open because the Ark Church model does this. 250 to 400 people will show up on that first day. Many of those people will give their lives to Jesus for the first time, and you guys will have a, had a hand in that because you have an investment mindset. That's how it works. And I just have to say, thank you. Thank you. It'd be so much easier during a pandemic just to go, I got a store and not poor. But so many of you live with this investment mindset. It doesn't matter what's happening in the world. You have a posture that says, I'm going to be generous because God has been generous to me and I'm going to poor, not store. And you, you, those of you who live by these principles, you're seeing God's hand at work in your life. You're seeing it. I've seen it since I was a kid. The principle is this, what you keep is all you have, but what you give, God multiplies. God multiplies. I'm invested in God's work. The Rivers family, my wife and I and our two girls who are on their way back, God willing, from the retreat, we are invested in God's work here at LifePoint, have been since day one. We went all in. The series is all in. We did that when we moved here from Houston, Texas. We took everything we owned and put it on the table. God, it's all yours. All of it's yours. And over the last 12 years, and particularly in my wife's job, we've seen God's hand on that man. We're invested in God's work here and abroad. And, and I'm going to tell you this. There has never been a time in my life, in our lives, never, that we've regretted going all in with God through the tithe, through offerings, through above and beyond. And I'll tell you one last truth. There is no, there is no return on investment like the returns we get by investing in, in the works of God because no other investment, no other investment has eternal rewards, treasure stored up in heaven. There is no other thing like it. Amen. I'm invited. I'm invaluable. I'm influential. And I'm invested. Amen. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, God, for the people of God who see this. Thank you for the people who've lived like this, who've seen your hand at work in their lives. And I'm gonna challenge, God, those of us who haven't yet made this decision, I'm invested, to go in, to go all in, at whatever level, however, and trust. Matter of fact, in Malachi, you said, test me in this. Test me in this, you say, Malachi. And see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessings on you that you cannot contain them. And so, Father, I just believe your word. I believe that you are a God of abundance. I believe you're a God that every good gift that I have in my life, every perfect thing that I have in my life, my wife, my kids, they're perfect. All of that comes from my Father in heaven who daily, Psalms 103 said, Psalm 103, daily loads us with benefits. God, we believe that. And God, some of us come here today sort of spiritually empty-handed and maybe it's our first act of, of generosity is, Lord, here's my life. I've been living it for myself. I've been living it on my own. I've been doing things my own way and Lord, I see the generosity of God through Jesus on a cross for God so loved the world that he 
gave his only son that whoever believes in him, whoever puts their faith in him, whoever trusts in Jesus will not perish but have eternal life. Wow. Thank you that you are that kind of God. Thank you that you are a God who pours out your love and your faithfulness on us. And I thank you for it. And I'm grateful for it. And I pray blessings over it. God, and every person who would say, Lord, I want, I'm in. I'm all in. I want you to be Lord of my life. I'm giving you my all. I surrender my all to you. I give it to you. Every person that would say that, he would say in that space, in that moment, you're in. You're in the family of God. You're invited. You're in the family of God. And nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. So I thank you for it. We celebrate that in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said a good amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.